Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth. That's Tyler. How's it going? I hate the weather so much. You know, I do not. I do not mind 70 degrees in February. Yeah, it was 70 here yesterday. Now it's like 19. That seems like a you problem because it's 35 here right now. That's still you, not even close to 70. You chose... Actually, it's exactly half of 70. Uh, not even you, close. <laughs> yeah. You chose to move somewhere colder, so that's on you. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, whatever. That was that was a 100% Tyler Guthrie choice. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, I'm right. I don't care. It still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Mister, I had three feet of snow a couple weeks ago. I did. It just finally melted. Nice. Like last week, and now it snowed again today, so. I think the most we've had on the ground down here this year at one time is like two inches. I believe it. Huh? I believe it. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of racing this week. Well, we had one race and two single file trains all weekend. Um, one Atlanta, NASCAR race and two F1 races. Yeah, exactly. Um, for two-thirds of the weekend, Atlanta, New Atlanta proved to be what New Atlanta has always been. Boring and terrible and a terrible decision by NASCAR. The cup race, on the other hand, actually wasn't half bad and had an all-time great finish. Xfinity and trucks, on the other hand, I legitimately fell asleep during both races. Kyle Busch and Austin Hill won. That really tells you all you need to know. Yeah, basically. and. Kyle Busch only won because Ty Majeski does not deserve his right. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Ty Majeski does not deserve a top-tier quality ride because of the way he finished that race. Well, I didn't want to make a move and pull out. I had two Tricon teammates behind me, so I figured they weren't going to go with me if I made a move. So I just rode there in second and didn't make a move. So, in a series where all you had to do is win a race and then not have to worry about a single thing until the end of the season, you decided to not go for the win and go for the points that don't matter? Right. Literally, the difference between finishing second in this race and finishing sixth, or wherever he would have ended up if he made a move in turn three, does not matter unless you don't win a race in the regular season. Ty, are you planning on not winning a race all regular season? You're in a truck good enough that you should win a race at some point in the regular season, and you're not going to win a race if you don't make moves to win the race. So are you are you planning on just running consistent and not winning a race in the regular season? Is that the plan here? Because if I mean, so, if you're not out here trying to win this race, what the f*** are you out here for? You do not deserve that ride. Get out and make way for someone that will go for the win. You are not racing. You are riding. You do not deserve that truck if that's your mentality. You do not deserve it. I mean, I guess I get it. Like, if you're on the bottom tier of truck teams and you are you know you're not going to win a race in the season, but if you're riding second on a drafting track, like, you know, it's, you would still go for it. Like, I, I get the points would help you, but... 
you'd still go for it. And it, I, I forget, I think it was Ayrton Senna or something said the quote of, if you don't go for gaps that exist, you're no longer a racing driver. I mean, especially with this format, you win the race, you don't have to do anything until the end of the season. So try to win the race. The stupid if you don't part win, about- if you ain't first, you're last in the new format. So, <laughs> right. The stupidest part about this is when they interviewed Corey Heim, who finished third, right behind Ty Majeski, uh, he said he was going to go with Majeski if Majeski made a move. So Majeski was worried about something that wasn't even going to happen. He's yeah. making up scenarios in his head that would not have existed because he's too scared of finishing fifth instead of second. Points don't matter in this system, especially when you're in a truck that's capable of winning every single week. It does not matter if you finish second or if you finish fifth. Go for the win. Oh, and even, like, if Haim hadn't have followed him, like, Kyle Busch isn't in there for full season points. He's not going for the championship. Literally any one of those guys should have gone for the win there. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got the single file around the top train parade for the entire race i didn't actually watch that race but that's what it seemed like oh that's exactly what it was i mean there were moments where it wasn't like that but that's basically what the whole race was and Corey actually went for it at the end of the race but the problem was he was third and since majeski didn't make a move all he could do was battle for second and didn't quite get past majeski in three and four so Corey went for it but unfortunately he was one truck too far back and couldn't do anything because Majeski's a f- and won't go for the win. I think maybe Majeski just let Kyle Busch win so that nobody else won, so maybe he has a better shot later in the year. See, but that's a that's a terrible mentality to have, too. Oh, I didn't say it made sense. I'm going to put it this way. He drives a Ford. I mean, it, it can't make that much sense. I'm going to put it this way. There's a reason. Think back to, what was that, six, seven years ago when the last years of Roush's 60 car in the Xfinity series, when that car was split between Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick, and Ty Majeski. Two of those drivers are in the Cup that. Series now with top teams. One of them is in the Truck Series, not even racing for the win in a truck that should be winning. I think Ty is right where he's supposed to be. I mean, if you're just going to be a career truck driver, unless you're Matt Crafton, you might as well just hang it up. I mean... Not to say Matt Crafton shouldn't hang it up, but... <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there is a place for career truck series drivers as well as career Xfinity series drivers. There needs to be some veteran mentality in those series to keep the kids in check. Otherwise you just get what you have with the trucks as it is now. And it's just a wreck fest. The truck series was not like this when you had Ron Hornaday, Todd Bodine, Matt Crafton, Jack Sprague, Mike Skinner, Johnny Benson. When you had those guys in top trucks in that series racing with the young kids that were coming up, the truck series was not like it is now. It was not a wreck fest. Those veterans kept the younger kids in check. And we don't have that now because all we have as a veteran in that series is Matt Crafton. And I guess to an extent now Ben Rhodes, but Ben Rhodes is an idiot, so he doesn't count. 
I mean, I, I guess I get it. Like if guys want to be in the truck series, there's a difference between guys that want to be in the truck series and guys that are in the truck series because they can't go to a better series. Cause they're not good enough. I like, you know, the Ron Horner days, of the world, Matt Crafton's like, they could go to other series if they really mm-hmm. wanted to, but they want to be in the truck series and want to be competitive in trucks. The problem mm-hmm. is you got guys like Majeski and Ben Rhodes and everybody else that want to be in Xfinity or Cup, but they're just not good enough for that. So they get the floor wiped with them by people like Ty Gibbs that come in and they're clearly going to be a Cup driver, but, you know, they have to do this first. It, it just... It rubs me the wrong way to see these guys just dominate the truck series. I I don't even know what word I'm trying to figure out here. But, like, all these guys filling truck spots that could be for guys that are up and coming into NASCAR. So that way we don't have mediocre people in the Cup Series, too. See, I don't know, though, because then if you get rid of Ben Rhodes, Matt Craft, and people like that, and make room for more up and coming people. Is that what you're saying? You're saying those those guys need to make way for more of the up and coming guys. Is that what you're is that what you're saying? Yeah, because the whole point of trucks and Xfinity to me is to be a ladder system to the Cup Series. I agree, but at the same time, you still have to have those veterans in there. I don't think the problem is that you have guys that aren't good enough to be in the other series, so they're stuck in that series, like a Ben Rhodes. I I think the problem is that you have people like Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes is... I don't even know how to necessarily put it, but Ben Rhodes is not Mike Skinner. Ben Rhodes is not Johnny Benson. Those were also guys that made it to the Cup Series, weren't great there, and found their home in the Truck Series. So it's not that someone that can't make it in the upper series shouldn't be in those series. Because we've got guys in Xfinity that are like that right now. Justin Allgaier couldn't make it in Cup, but he's made a career for himself in the Xfinity series, and he's one of the veterans in that series that more or less keeps that series in check. We really don't have that outside of Matt Crafton right now in the truck series because Ben Rhodes does not keep that series in check. Ben Rhodes is part of the problem. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like a culture difference thing because to me, people... It's a culture difference because you don't have Mike Skinner's and Johnny Benson's and Todd Bodine's. If you had guys that had a level head on their shoulders and knew racing etiquette that were veterans, then you would have a different culture in the truck series. But we don't really have that. I, I guess to me, like guys that just stay in the truck series for forever is like if somebody was in indie lights for a billion years like you know you're only in indie lights because you're not good enough to be an indie car driver but see but that's the thing i think there's a difference there's a difference in indie lights and the truck series are they both development series to get to the top level yes but indie lights you can't make a career in indie lights as far as I'm aware, I don't think those guys get paid enough that they could legitimately make no. a career in Indy Lights. You can no. make a legitimate career and make money and sustain yourself by being a career truck series driver or a career Xfinity series driver. And I think that's mostly because those series are nationally televised, so they've got TV money coming in. 
Uh, yeah. But you combine that with big teams, big sponsor money, you can make a career in those series. So I think there's a difference in being a career truck series driver and being a career Indy Lights driver. Isn't it Indy Next now? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it is Indy Next. Okay. But yeah, I, th- I think there's a difference Indy there. Lights. Everybody knows it's Indy Lights. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Call there's whatever a difference they want. there. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. It's just, it's always irked me the wrong way. Kind of like the cup guys going down to Xfinity and trucks and wiping the floor with everybody. It's like everybody knows you're a good driver. You don't need to be doing this. Again, I think, I think the difference here is, and and I know I'm in the minority here. I know most fans do not like the cup drivers coming down to Xfinity and trucks. But I, I think the difference with where you're coming from here is that as mainly an IndyCar fan, you're thinking of Xfinity and trucks on the same level as Indy Next, Indy Lights, whatever. Um, and they're they're just not the same thing. Indy, Indy Lights are more akin to ARCA or even late models in terms of where they where they are in terms of being able to sustain yourself and being able to make a career and where they should be in the ladder that they're the, the IndyCar ladder in comparison to the NASCAR ladder is missing a couple of rungs because Indy Indy lights is not equivalent to Xfinity. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It just, I feel like it's always irked me the wrong way. It just feels like the Xfinity series especially is only there because there aren't enough cup spots for everybody, but there's not another form of racing in the U.S. that's similar. So you get guys like Cole Custer, who they were in Xfinity, did well, went to cup, didn't do well, back to Xfinity. It's like there's no development there. There's only 40 spots in the cup series. and But you know, see... But see, that's where I would that's where I would argue that's exactly where the development is. He was in Xfinity, ran well, went to Cup, didn't perform outside of one win at Kentucky. So they put him back to the Xfinity series so he can develop more and either go back to the Cup series eventually or be another Justin Allgaier and make a career in the Xfinity series. And yeah, that's the and that's what I'm saying. You're coming at this from an IndyCar mindset where IndyCar doesn't have an equivalent series to the Xfinity series. So it's it's different. And I get that it, it, it rubs you the wrong way, but that's because you're coming at this from an IndyCar mindset, not a not seeing it as how the NASCAR ladder is laid out, which is different than the IndyCar ladder. Yeah, I mean, I still love watching him. It's just kind of one of those things, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. Um, I mean, are are there some guys that should get more opportunities than they do or get more opportunities than they should? Absolutely. Um, so you end up having guys in the Cup Series that shouldn't be there, and you end up having guys in Xfinity that should be in Cup and top-tier rides. But unfortunately, yeah. that's the state of the sport. I know you don't watch football, but it's like 
having a guy that's the quarterback for some college team for like 20 years and never made it to the pros because he's just not good enough and he's stuck in a spot where you know he's going to beat everybody down here, but he's not going to beat anybody up there kind of deal. I don't feel like that's a fair comparison because we always complain that NASCAR is not a stick and ball sport and we shouldn't have playoffs and we shouldn't have things that are like stick and ball sports. So yeah, here we, we are. Shouldn't, we shouldn't compare it really in any way to stick in ball sports because it's so much different. I just, I don't feel like that's a fair comparison. And then NASCAR throws stick and ball sport things like playoffs and everything right at us. And we had to take it anyway. Right. But that's where the, that's where the arguments come from is NASCAR is trying to make it a stick and ball sport and it's not. So if we start comparing it to stick and ball sports and comparing it to things in stick and ball sports, then that's letting NASCAR win and letting their their whole turning it into a stick and ball sport a reality because no, we're just I, giving into that. I can't let NASCAR win, so I take back everything I said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, other than my rant about Ty Majeski, I didn't really have anything to talk about in the truck race this week. Oh, I know I said some nice things about Kyle Busch last week. Those mm-hmm. only apply specifically for cup races. <laughs> Fair enough. Kyle Busch is still the old Kyle Busch for Xfinity and truck racing. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to Xfinity, let's look at our truck picks for the week. I picked Kyle Busch. So clearly, I win. Um, Tyler picked Christian Eckes uh, for a second straight week and did not do as well as he did last week. Um, since Kyle gets zero points because he is not declared for truck points, um, the way we're going to do this is he, we get whatever points they would get for that position base points. Um, not going to factor in what they would have gotten for stage points or anything like that. So I get 36 points, which is the base number of points that Kyle would get for winning, um, in the truck series. Um, Tyler gets 15 points from Eckes. You got saved because Eckes won stage one. So then the damn break broke. Yeah. So you got 10 extra points there that you wouldn't have normally gotten for a 32nd place finish. Um, so that we were looking really, really good with that Eckes pick until, you know, the end of stage one. Um, so that saved you a little bit, but I do take the truck point lead now. Um, Tyler led after Daytona, but I take the truck point lead now, 57 to 54. Uh, I lead by three points now over Tyler. Uh, how did your picks do for this week? Are you doing better than us if you're keeping track of your points? Are you doing worse? How are you doing uh, with that? Um, on to Xfinity. Yay, Austin Hill wins again in one of the stupidest finishes ever because of the longest caution ever after the most boring snooze fest that I've ever seen, ever. I I, I have nothing to talk about in this race outside of it was just bad. And then the last, like, ten laps. Yeah. Like the lat and the and the last ten laps were just stupid because they got into this fuel mileage scenario 
And then they had a caution, and everybody's running out under caution, and they keep running caution laps. So then pretty much everybody else runs out of fuel on the restart after they ran like three, four extra laps under caution that they really probably didn't need to run. And the one car that doesn't run out of fuel, lo and behold, is Austin Hill. Can you imagine how much of a sh- show that would have been if that was an IndyCar race and they did that? Oh, I know. Well, Because c- you know what happens when IndyCars run out of fuel, right? No. It happened to Scott Dixon and Rossi. I think it was the 21 Daytona 500. Or not Daytona, Indy 500. Mm-hmm. It was either 21 or 22. But they ran out of fuel under caution and it shut the engine off, and it took them two laps of caution to refire, so they were stuck a lap down for the entire race. Nice. Because there's no, like, lucky dog or anything in IndyCar, so they were just stuck there. We almost had that, because as they were coming back to green, Allgaier ran out of fuel coming into turn three. Wasn't he the leader at that time, too? No, he was, like, third or fifth or something. Jesse Love was the leader. He led almost the entire... Race. Oh yeah, <laughs> screwed over by this stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make a thing where like, oh well, you don't have enough fuel, so everybody come down and keep their spot and get fuel, kind of thing, because that's dumb. But yeah, we I guess we don't need that because that. Yeah, no. I guess that runs down to more of like a overtime is stupid. That was dumb. This race track is just terrible, kind of thing. See, the funniest part to me was the entire last, I don't know, 50 laps or whatever it was, I don't remember what a fuel run was, but the the entire last portion of the race, when they were trying to go into fuel-saving mode, and they were all in the single-file line around the top, Jesse Love is trying to back the field up because he can't save fuel out front very effectively because he's not got the draft to help him with that. So he's trying Mind to. Mind you, this is a week after NASCAR threw a fit about them yeah. <laughs> doing this at Daytona. Right. So he's trying to back the pace off so he can save fuel. Riley Herbst in second is pushing him as hard as possible, trying to keep him from saving fuel. And guess who the first car to run out of fuel was? Riley Herbst. Herbst. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean. It, it was pretty bad. It, and it was kind of funny that all the Fords basically ran out at the exact same time. All the Fords ran out first, and they ran out almost simultaneously. Like, they all ran out within a lap of each other. Yeah, I mean, it was just a show at the end of that race. I, I think we've had cup races before where, like, just random people start running out of gas in the last couple laps. Which, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of entertaining. Sort of. It's just a problem where that was the only entertaining thing of the entire race, and it was people being taken out of contention to win. Well, I I think the biggest thing with this was, yes, we've had fuel mileage races in the past where, and generally, fuel mileage makes it exciting because it adds a level of strategy in, and you don't know who's going to make it. So it's exciting coming down to the end of the race going, oh, is this guy that's led this whole race? Is he going to make it to the end? Is he going to finally, is he going to cap this off? He dominated the race. Is he going to win it? And Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe somebody stayed out when the rest of the field pitted and they're trying to stretch it to the end. Or are they going to make this pit strategy work? 
the problem we had here was, like you said, the rest of the race was terrible. So this was the only interesting thing happening in this race. And then the way this all played out, it just got really stupid. One, all the Fords running out at the exact same time was just really weird. Then we had that caution at the very end that ended up putting us in overtime that just kept going and going and going for seemingly no reason other than it almost just seemed like NASCAR was trying to manipulate it and make more cars run out of fuel for more excitement, which is exactly what happened. Basically, everyone except Austin Hill ran out. I think there might have been one or two other cars that were on that strategy that hadn't pitted that didn't run out. Actually, no, I don't think there was, because I think there was only like five cars left that hadn't pitted on that restart. And I'm pretty sure all four, four of the five, Austin Hill being the only one that didn't, four of the five ran out, literally as they took the green. It's all fixed for Austin Hill. So what I'm Just at the think. beginning of the season. Towards the end of the season, like last year, they don't care anymore. <laughs> right. This one make everybody stop hope. watching in the beginning of the season, because nobody wants to see Austin Hill win, except for one particular person who will remain unnamed. I think it's like a feud against Fox. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> they have the Daytona 500 and that that's it. And nobody watches until the end of the season. Yep, basically. Oh, if I was Fox, I'd be throwing a fit over the playoff format. Yeah. Because all they have is a Daytona 500 and then it doesn't matter again until the end of the season when it's on I NBC. that's all they want. All, all they care about is well, they yeah. have the event of the Daytona 500. I don't think they really the care if they have the end of the season. The event. It's I mean, so cause, exciting. Because that's what they got in the new TV deal. In the new that's one true. starting next year, that's all they got was the first 14 races. So I think that's all they want. Either that or that's all NASCAR will give them. But I think that's all they want. They the don't Mike really care Joy about the rest of it. Is, the Mike Joy lover in me is very sad about this. I know, right? I'm, Mike Joy I'm excited next year that we're going to have four different booths, or I assume we're going to have four different booths, so I'm curious to see who ends up in the other two booths. Very I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Dale Jr. or something was in, like, the Amazon booth or something like that. You know, there was a thing that came out a couple weeks ago that, that said he is uh, basically in a contract year with NBC. He has nothing signed with them past this year. Oh, yeah. Then we can have the Dale Jr. and Jeff Burton booth where they both sound exactly the same and I can't tell who's who. Yeah, right. Then add Steve Wittart and I just get to be angry about his strategy calls for Jeff Gordon the entire race. Yep, basically. <laughs> um, I I think that's about it for Xfinity, though. Um, take a look at our, our points for the week. Uh, Tyler wins this one as well, but still has not claimed the lead for me after his poor showing with Jesse Love last week. Um, I took Sam Mayer this week, so decently solid finish, but not fantastic. Ended up in 11th, I believe it was. I got to pull the results back up here. Yeah, 11th for um, Sam Mayer, so only 34 points for me. Uh, Tyler actually picks himself a winner this week. With Austin Hill, so he gets the full 43 points. Still does not take the lead, though. Um, after my second place showing with Sheldon Creed last week, I lead 82 to 70 over Tyler. What are your Xfinity picks looking like this week? How you doing uh, compared to us 
in the Xfinity series right now. On to the Cup series. Um, solid race, I'm honestly. Genuinely shocked at how good this Cup race was. I, I was too. I was ready to throw in the towel with New Atlanta and say it's done because it wasn't great before now, but the the truck and Xfinity races were awful. I think those were the the easily the two worst races we've seen at New Atlanta yet. By far, terrible. Yeah. So I was ready to throw in the towel and say, okay, New Atlanta's done. It never really got started, but yeah, I, I was ready to say, nope, it's done. It's unwatchable. Fix it or take it off the schedule. I was I was fully ready to come on here and say that this week, but the cup race redeemed that. It actually was pretty good. Was it great? No. I mean, by comparison, uh, there, there was a very low bar for New Atlanta in the first place, but it was pretty good. Like, it was watchable. Um, and then that finish. Holy shit, that finish. Looked like cars. <laughs> and did you see... Uh, and, and that's the, that's the running joke going around. I've seen so many memes about that. And then did you see what Trackhouse put on social today? No. It, they had, uh, Ross and Daniel sitting in like a meeting room or something, um, across the table from each other. And Ross is like, man, how did you do that? How did you eke that out by that close? And Daniel's like, <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah <laughs> oh geez oh you love to see it yeah i, I know, mean right? <laughs> one of my wife's favorite movies is the original cars movie so mm -hmm. she was at work i think and then i saw the finish and i was like screenshot send it's just like cars <laughs> yep <laughs> i mean oh, honestly oh. though like out of all the things that could have happened for nascar at atlanta this year that finish is probably the best thing that could have happened because Absolutely. now they have a gigantic media thing to just be like, look what happened last week. Anything's possible. And then we go to what Vegas or some shit this mm -hmm. week. And then that's definitely not going to happen this week because Vegas yeah. is awful, but you know, they can look at it and be like, Hey, this is this cool thing that happened. And I guess Lionel's doing like a, three car set for that which well i think is a little not, over the top but whatever that's not been announced yet they said they're looking into it and getting approvals that hasn't actually been announced yet i thought i just read that they announced it i don't think so unless i missed it maybe garth missed it and i would be right about something in diecast world for the first time ever uh, let me double check this right now but i don't think so no they haven't announced it Really? It's like the first thing on their website. Oh, they, I guess, haven't put it on socials yet, then. Yeah, I, went to, like the, I went to their Instagram. It's the first thing on their website. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, so yeah, they are doing it. Three wide thriller, three cars set for 40 bucks. Well, there's a pre-order from me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it comes like a cool box. It'll be the same box that they use for all the other ones. No. Yeah. I guarantee you know, they've like the, the same box for basically every 164 scale set for the past like two or three years. They just change it true. slightly to like they'll put a different team logo on it or a car number or something. But it's it's the same exact box for every single set that they've done. Have you seen those cool little like Indy 500 podium sets that they've been doing for IndyCar diecast recently? Mm -hmm. I wish 
Lionel would do more stuff like that. That isn't just well. Now they're stuff. doing one. <laughs> well, I know, but hopefully it's like the three cars next to each other in the finish. I know. It See, won't that's be, that's but... what I'm hoping, and I'm worried they're gonna lazy out on it and just literally put the three cars in a box next to each other, like they have with every other set. And that's all. Well, see, here's the problem: is like I would maybe consider buying that if they had a rendering of that's what it's going to look like instead of just a picture of what happened in the race. But then it'll just DNQ because you know. Well, what I wonder is maybe because I did see that that's all it was was they had a finish of the, or a picture of the start finish line. I wonder if maybe they are going to do something like that with it, and they're still working on the rendering. But they wanted to go ahead and get the listing out there. Yeah, but because then other, put the otherwise, out after pre-orders close. Yeah. So, well, no, the other thing, like the I don't Hendrick know, thing, because, where they hadn't even seen the paint schemes yet, and then they were like, "Oh, pre-orders are done." D and Q, and then they're yeah. like, "Oh, this is what the car looks like. Great." Yeah. See, what does worry me about that though is generally with these sets, I don't think they usually put a render out of what it will look like. They did just put a render out of what the box will look like for. They're doing a four-car set of those Hendrick 40th anniversary cars from Martinsville. Um, but they did just put a picture out of that. Uh, but just the box. They didn't show like the cars inside it, but it just showed what the box was. It was literally, again, the same box. It's just kind of tipped on its side. And they're going to put the cars like stacked on top of each other inside. Whoa. Yeah, right? Out. No, it just bugs me. And yeah. if it was cool, well, sucks for you. I mean... I mean, the, I the thing about that is they do give you the ability to cancel it. They don't charge you until it actually ships. So if you uh, pre-order it and then they put a render out later and you don't like what the render looks like, just cancel it. So then they're just stuck with all these things that nobody wants to buy. Well, that's their <laughs> fault for being stupid. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they should have put effort into it. What? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's you're gonna, you're gonna buy it and you're gonna like it. Anything anymore. No, have you seen all the minimalist advertising recently? Oh, I know. It's even worse with the numbers pushed forward on the door. Yes, I'm still mad about it. Oh, cry about it. I have one diecast since they moved the numbers. And it's only because it's a Byron Gordon throwback. Well, you're going to have two now because he won the Daytona 500. In a really mid-paint scheme, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's better now that they took the black box off the rear of it. Yeah. It just yeah, needs like some blue stupid. flames or something. Yeah. Like that uh, 4th of July Daytona scheme that he had that one year, those the white base with red and blue flames. That was cool. Yeah. No, that one, that one was pretty cool. Um, I mean, the, the 24 car goes back and forth. Like some of the schemes are really good. And then some of them are just terrible. That well, it's, one, a cool, uh, it's a cool Hendrick paint scheme, so we can only do it once, and the car is going to wreck. Mm -hmm. What's <laughs> Things you one? learn as a Jeff Gordon fan. What's that one that they just put out, that they just showed this week? Is it like ZHP or something? Oh, yeah, the HP whatever. I don't even yeah. know what it's supposed to be advertising, but cool. it looks kind of neat. Yeah. It does look kind of neat. It's better than the one from last year by a lot. I don't even remember what the one from last year looked like. It was just white with the logos. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, hard to hard to make it worse than that, I guess. 
Yeah, it does look kind of neat. It just sucks being a Gordon fan as a kid. It's like, oh, this is a really cool paint scheme, and he's out of the race by, like, lap 30. <laughs> yeah. Like, that one year at Talladega, he had the really cool, like, Pepsi throwback, like, yellow and cream car that mm-hmm. looked awesome, and then, like, Matt Kenseth took him out or something, which I think happened about every other time he had a different paint scheme, is Matt Kenseth took him out. I think the problem is you came in late in Jeff Gordon's career and you weren't there for the dominating years. Well, it, it I didn't really have a head start. I was born in 2001. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. That's what NASCAR Classics is for. I'm debating getting into it. I mean, it's free. You don't even have to make an account. <laughs> yeah. I just know it's going to be a wormhole of me just sitting here and watching NASCAR races that I don't need to be watching. (laughs) I watch one race per night at work. Hopefully my boss isn't watching this. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, some of us don't work at a desk with a computer. That's true. I do have a computer. Well, I guess I don't on these. Now I'm just going to hack into the PTC system and watch NASCAR. There you go. I mean, I'm sure you're sitting at stop signals enough. You'll have time. Oh, yeah, it can't be that difficult. Let me just hack a government program system. I'm sure for some people that's very easy. I'm going to cut that one out of the podcast and I'll get the FBI breaking down my door in the morning. (laughs) They'll head your way after they stop at Van. Yeah. I'm just glad Daniel Suarez won another race. I really like Daniel Suarez. Same. I mean, that, I think, was the best outcome there. Like, I like Ryan Blaney. Um, and I've, I've gained a lot of respect for Kyle Busch, but it's Daniel Suarez though. Right. And I, I really want to see Daniel Suarez do well and be successful. Suarez is a great dude, um, and deserves that success. And I just wish, I hope this is the start of something better. I mean, this is race two and he's already going to win. So that means they are 99% in the playoffs, unless we have another one of those years where we get a bunch of winners. Um, oh, God. So, realistically, that team can now start focusing on the playoffs. I mean, he was around a 12 driver two years ago. People forget that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he he's not a slouch when he makes it into the playoffs. And now that he's got basically the entire regular season to prepare for the playoffs, they can try some things maybe even win a couple more races and they can be that much more prepared when they get to the playoffs. And let's not forget Atlanta is the first race of the playoffs this year. I'm going to lock in that Daniel Suarez pick for fall Atlanta. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, I mean, mean, that's the thing. So he absolutely could win his way into the round of 12 and who knows what happens after that, after he's had the whole regular season to prepare, um, I don't remember what tracks are in the round of 12. If it's some tracks that are in the regular season, let's see here. Uh, round of 12 is Kansas, Talladega, Roval. So that's two tracks that are in the regular season. And I mean, if he's good at Atlanta, hypothetically, as long as he avoids the wrecks, should be pretty good at Talladega. So, I mean, this might be setting up for a very good Daniel Suarez year. Yeah, it's nice to see the Trackhouse guys both doing well, because last year was abysmal for both of them, I thought. Well, after coming off, well, except for Shane Van Gisbergen, but, you know, that's the Australian dude on a road course, so. (laughs) Well, New Zealand, 
not Australian. He races in Australia. He's from New Zealand. Um, or now he races in America. Under. But they're um, all down under. <laughs> um, Ross wasn't bad at the beginning of last season until Rick Hendrick said, "Hey, stop." <laughs> Rick Hendrick, <laughs> and then he fell off the just in. Yep. Um, so yeah, Ross had a good start to last year. Daniel was just kind of mid all season. I don't really remember outside of Atlanta last year. I remember him being good in this race last year too. I think we talked about that last week. Um, my pick. Yeah. So, um, wait, did you? No, I, I picked Chastain. Oh yeah. You was, picked the wrong. It was because of the track. Gone with Suarez. I said that as soon as they announced the 99 one, I was like, I picked the wrong track house. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you literally picked Ross because Daniel did well in this race. You yeah. should have just like why why is the thought process there? Daniel did well in this race, so I'm gonna pick his teammate. I'm not gonna pick Daniel. I'm gonna pick his teammate. Because I thought Ross had a chance process? to win I had I thought Ross had a chance to win the Daytona five hundred if he didn't take himself out. But see, here's the difference is as much as they want to tout Atlanta as being mini Daytona. That's all it is, is mini Daytona. It's not Daytona. It's not Talladega. It might be a drafting track, but it drives so much different and races so much different than Daytona and Talladega. So, and I know I just made the point that Daniel has done well at Atlanta, so he might win Talladega in the round of 12, but that was I feel about like the Atlanta, biggest contradictory statement I've ever yeah, seen in my life. Right. I, I really, now that I think about it more, Atlanta is <laughs> extremely different from Daytona and Talladega. Like drafting is literally the only thing that they have in common. Um, and and the more Atlanta ages, I feel like the less we're actually getting the actual drafting at that track. Look out, Garth's backing up on his previous statements. I'm not allowed to grow and think <laughs> and change my opinion. I have to lock in my opinion no matter what I say. Yeah, it's NASCAR. No, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Come on, grow an opinion? Yeah, okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really do hope uh, Suarez does well this year. He's a good dude, and he deserves the success. And, I mean, up until he was at Trackhouse, he hasn't had that success. This is a guy no. that, before Trackhouse came along, looked like his career was basically over. Because he had bounced around between all these big teams, Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs. Um, was there another big team he was at? No. I think it, I, yeah, I think it was just those two. And then he went to the 96 car, which was a back marker at the time that doesn't even exist anymore. I don't even oh, remember gosh. what team that was. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, but they weren't good, and I think they only ran a part-time schedule or maybe they was went that back the one to that had like casey canaan in 95 for a couple of races no that was levine family racing different team no. um any like double digit car number that starts with a nine is just gone in memory banks right I, yeah i don't remember what team the 96 was i believe they were running part-time until daniel came over and then they went back to full-time i think and i think he was only in that car for one season so it should have been like 2020 what was the first year he was at track house was it 21 or 22 because he, he started year. Track house. yeah it was like 21 i think uh, yeah i was thinking it was 21 um 
So because they had one year of the not stupid looking car, right? So yeah, it should have been 2020. Then he was in the '96 car, and I mean that's a back marker. They're they're running full time because he brought some sponsorship with him, and they ended up having the money to. But before that, they were a part time team. They were they didn't run well. I mean, when he was in that car it looked like his career was basically over. He was never going to get back to a good team, and that was it. And then he goes over and joins Trackhouse when Justin Marks and Pitbull start that team. And the question there was, what is that team going to do? They're a startup team. Is Justin Marks going to be able to run a team effectively? Is Daniel Suarez going to be able to be an effective driver if it does become a good team? And... I think we've seen that, A, yes, Trackhouse is going to be a very good team, and B, Daniel can get the job done. And it's it's very clear Justin Marks believes in Daniel Suarez, and that might be what has been missing for Daniel's entire career. He didn't really have anybody in his corner that believed in him and was really um, trying to push him to be his best. I. I really feel like he was the fourth car at Gibbs and Stuart Haas when he was there. Like well, there was no I, I think, put into him at all. I think now with Trackhouse, like Daniel doesn't have a whole bunch of expectations on him. He can just go out, drive the car, finish where he needs to finish, and that that's all he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas when he started his career at Gibbs, he was supposed to be the replacement for Carl Edwards. Mm-hmm. you're not going to show up your rookie year and be the replacement for Carl Edwards. And he Diego's got rushed a... into that spot because yeah. Carl just retired out of the blue and they weren't expecting to have to replace him. So Daniel got rushed in there because they didn't have anybody else to put in that car. Yeah, and it, I think the Gibbs organization is not good for people like Daniel anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. you get like Ty Gibbs and Denny Hamlin and Truex who just bitch and complain about everything all the time. That's what that organization is good for. Daniel Suarez needs guys like Justin Marks who can cater to him and help him kind of figure out how everything works. And even Stuart Haas, like they weren't great when he was there. I mean, they had Harvick, but Harvick's just made every team he's been on Mm -hmm. better regardless. So it's like Cole Custer was terrible in Haas cars. Ryan Priest is mid as hell like he was he was at Stuart Haas at the wrong time because I think that was the beginning of the downfall for Stuart Haas so was everybody except Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well he came in after Kurt Busch he was Kurt's replacement in that car oh yeah that was yeah as soon as Kurt left that team went way downhill Mm mm-hmm yeah I mean all they had was Harvick and even in Harvick's last couple years he he couldn't even make them um, look very good. So, yeah, I, I think Daniel just got to Stuart Haas at the wrong time and got there right about the time they really started to fall off, and it made him look worse than he was. And he went downhill into that 96 car and just by sheer luck got to revitalize his career with Trackhouse. And it's it's great to see. It really is because he's somebody that he really does have the talent. He just needs the team behind him to show it. And he needs somebody in his corner like Justin Marks that believes in him and will give him the equipment he needs to be successful. And that's exactly what's happening right now. 
it's a good combo, and they've already got two wins, and they've been looking strong at several other tracks. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and after Daniel won this race, there had been a lot of speculation that he was kind of auditioning for his ride at this point and, and whether he would still be in the 99 going forward after his kind of mid-season last year. And Justin Marks said after the race that, um, no, Daniel is safe, that he does not see a scenario where Daniel is not in a track house car. Yeah, I mean, that's night and day difference from what a Joe Gibbs team would say is, eh, well, we're always looking for options. Like You're not going to get that out of a guy who is also a driver. Right. And And I think a lot of the speculation from that comes from there are a lot of names popping up into the track house feeder system at this point. I mean, you've got Zane Smith in that quasi track house spire car now. He's in the track house fold. You got Shane Van Gisbergen now running full time in Xfinity. He's, I mean, not in a track house car in Xfinity, but he's in the track house pipeline. And then they just signed Connor Zilich, who's running late models right now in a little bit of Arca. So there's Isn't names Travis Pastrana coming. in that loop too. I don't think so. No. No, he was really? he was at twenty three eleven last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he ran the Daytona 500 23-11. I don't think he's been tied to Trackhouse, as far as I know. No, you're um, right. But, so, the fact that there's so many names popping up in the Trackhouse um, pipeline was raising the question on, Trackhouse only has two charters, where are all these guys going to go? Ross has been successful enough that we don't think he's on the hot seat, so then the logical next question was, are they going to replace Daniel? Um, yeah. And Justin Marks did make the comment that um, no one knows what we are doing behind the scenes right now, uh, which tells me they're working on getting more charters. I don't know how they're going to get more charters because I don't know if there's really any on the market unless he's throwing a lot of money around. But um, that's that seems to be what's happening right now is Trackhouse is trying to expand and get more charters. Yeah, charter system. Woo! <laughs> well, you know what's funny is there's been all this talk about charters lately. NASCAR wants to get rid of the charters, and teams don't want to get rid of them uh, because it's guaranteed money and it's guaranteed spots in the race, so the teams don't want to get rid of them, and the teams are fighting it. Um, yeah. Doesn't so I saw something this week where they're, they're working on a tentative agreement to keep the charter system around for, I think it was five years. I don't remember where I saw that. Um, but NASCAR wants to get rid of it, and the teams are fighting back on that. Charters are so stupid. Yep. That is, that's the one thing right now I feel like NASCAR is doing right, is trying to get rid of the charters. Didn't we only have, like, 37 cars in this race? Something like that, 37, there's 36 charters. Um, and that's... Generally, outside of the big money races, outside of Daytona or the 600 or wherever, there's generally not more than 36 cars. Open cars don't show up to these races because open cars get paid substantially less than charter cars get paid. So back in my day, yeah, so 43 cars than, took the track and 46 qualified. Yep. But see, that's the thing. Because of the charter system and open cars not getting paid worth a shit, they don't show up unless it's a big money race. In fact, 
the only open car showing up at Vegas this week, or at least that's on the entry list, there's 37 cars on the entry list. Take a guess who that one open car is. I don't think yeah, you're going to guess this. I don't even want to know. The 44 car, J.J. Yaley. Missed the Daytona 500, but they're back. Oh, that was going to be my guess, actually. Was it really? J.J. Yaley. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dude refuses to retire. See, and I don't... Unless that team is trying to build and maybe go full-time eventually, which I'm not sure is their plan because they haven't shown up since the 2022 Daytona 500, and then they all of a sudden randomly show back up at Daytona this year. That which, 44 was the Greg Bippel car last year, right? 22 it was. They didn't show up in 23. Oh. Um, Time for So, um... I kind of get showing up at Daytona because there's a chance if you make the race, you can run pretty decent and make some decent money off of that. But they missed the race. And now they're going to show up at Vegas. They're in the race because there's only 37 cars on the entry list. So it doesn't matter how fast they are in qualifying. They're in the race. But the chances of them finishing higher than like 35th are not very good, and since they're an open car, I can't imagine they're going to get paid well for 35th, 36th, or 37th. I almost wonder if it's even worth showing up at Vegas. Hey, with only 37 cars in the race, you figure you got Joey Logano and Ross Chastain there, so there's two guaranteed wrecks. Joey Logano half the time wins this race. Yeah, this is that race. (laughs) Are they at least running the cool shell paint scheme this week, or did they quit doing that? I don't know. I haven't seen. Oh, God. Actually, I did just see the paint scheme preview was up on uh, NASCAR, the website. So let's see if... uh... Wait, where'd that go? It literally was just up here. There it is. Uh, Okay, let me see what paint scheme the 22 has this week. I didn't get that far. I was looking at it earlier, and then you popped into the call, and I got distracted. Oh, it is the it is the kind of quasi-Steve Park throwback. Okay, at least it looks a little less terrible until he gets out of the car. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, Julia Lugano. Yeah. Um, cup picks following Atlanta. Stage points! Woo! I technically... My pick finished higher than Tyler's, but because of stage points, Tyler gets more points for this race. Cry about it. Because stage points are weird. So I had Bubba Wallace. He finishes in fifth. Uh, Tyler picked Ross Chastain. He finished seventh. But because of stage points, Tyler comes away with three more points than me. Tyler had 38. I had 35. I am still the leader, though, after Tyler's unfortunate Brad Keselowski pick for the Daytona 500. Um, I lead 57 to 42 in cup points. So, your boy is the leader in all three series right now, uh, leaving Atlanta. But Tyler did cut into the lead in uh, both Xfinity and Cup, but not by much. Did cut into it a little bit, though, in both series. So, um, Go Tyler. I thought I was on to something with that Keselowski pick for the 500. <laughs> you de- Well, you were until um, your boy decided to screw that up. Uh, Bowman did that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right, our open wheel expert, unless you got more to talk about with Atlanta, 
Uh, let's move on to uh, what we got for IndyCar and F1 this week. Uh, IndyCar is testing at Sebring this week. Uh, Pelot was fastest in the first session, and I don't remember who was fastest in the afternoon session. Um, shocker that Pelot was fastest. <laughs> Never, didn't see that one coming. Um, right. Dale Coyne has, still has not set their full driver lineup for this year. Um, I didn't even know that they hadn't, but uh, there's still two open seats in IndyCar. And they had Jack Harvey and Colin Braun at the test in Sebring this week. Jack Harvey obviously just came off of the Myers Shank team. Um, I feel like Harvey's days in IndyCar are getting fairly numbered, and I don't think yeah. the number is very big. I I would assume that this, if he does get the Myers Shank, not Myers Shank, uh, Dale Coyne spot, that this is probably his last ride in IndyCar. I, I don't think he's a bad driver. It's just once he lost the Meyer Shank backing, it just wasn't good anymore. And he was at Ray Hall last year. I don't know why he said he's Meyer Shank. Anyway, um Colin Braun is a US like sports car driver. He does like a lot of the endurance IMSA I was that kind say, of stuff. A, that's a name I haven't heard for a long time. He used to run Xfinity and Trucks for Roush. Uh 10, 15 years ago, he was in the Roush pipeline and then just disappeared. Okay. Yeah. I thought that sounded familiar from NASCAR, but I was just reading about the sports car stuff. So mm -hmm. obviously he's very good. I think he did well in the test. I, I didn't see all the times. I just saw that below was fastest and decided to not care anymore. Yeah. Um, then for F1, uh, testing results obviously red bulls fastest shocking uh ferrari seems to be second quickest and there's a debate whether or not it's like close to red bull second quickest or not there's some reports saying that red bull was using like the lowest engine map setting the entire week and could turn it up and get another second of pace <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, nothing's going to surprise me anymore. Red Bull could win the race by three laps, and I wouldn't be surprised. And they could finish last, and they'd be like, oh, well, interesting. Um, it seems like Mercedes and McLaren are going to fight for best of the rest in third, and then everybody else is just jumbled in down there. So, like, the last two points-paying positions are available every race. Other than that, it's going to be Aston those Martin. four teams. They started off so well last year with, um, why am I blanking? Fernando. Alonso. Yeah. They, they started off so well last year with Alonzo on the podium for the first like three, four, five races, whatever it was, and then just fell off. Yeah. They were Red Bull's biggest opponent last year for the at least Alonzo like, half was. of the Stroll season. wasn't really up there, but Alonzo well, was. Don't even get me started on the last roll. Um, <laughs> I guess when your dad owns the team, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. They had like some mid season developments that just didn't go their way. And then certain tracks they were just not good at at all and just dropped off a cliff and never came back. So they're not good again this year. Um, I guess the, the visa cash app RB race team is like the fifth place team right now to a lot of people um they say it's not a copy of the red bull car but you know 
Aren't they a Red Bull feeder though? So they can yep. be a copy of the Red Bull car, right? No, they they can't. At they're not allowed to. They can't take the designs and stuff. Like there was a th- big thing with the Haas team because it's like basically a Ferrari B team. Mm-hmm. They were like using some development parts from Ferrari, and then there was a big to do about that that they weren't allowed to do that. Even though I thought mm-hmm. that the like. Toro Rosso and Alvatari was just Red Bull 2.0 for like yeah. a really long time. Well, no, but... 2.0 would mean that they're better than Red Bull. Oh, uh, 0.5. I don't know. Yeah, there we go. Red Bull <laughs> 0.5. Red Bull half. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I guess to a lot mid. of people, <laughs> Red Bull mid. I guess to a lot of people, <laughs> they're probably the number five team and then everybody else is just abysmal. Sounds about right. Didn't is that where Alonzo went this year? He left Aston Martin, didn't he? No, he's still at Aston Martin. Is he? I thought he left Aston yeah. Martin. No, like nobody moved around this year. Perez is Perez didn't get booted from Red Bull yet, did he? No, he's still there. Okay, because I know there was some speculation on that last season. I couldn't remember if he'd actually gotten booted or not. There's some speculation on everything except Max Verstappen being the quickest driver in the field this year. So fair enough. Which, Hopefully Perez gets I, I, back to where he was, but I feel like the team's going to screw him over again like they did last year. Max Verstappen is such a bad, like, vision of the sport. Max Verstappen, doo-doo-doo. <laughs> There's, like, I can't picture a more boring person to be the figure of your sport. Right? They, like like they just, any Hendrick that... driver being the face of your sport. <laughs> <laughs> You have three people with no personality and a guy that dropped the N bomb on iRacing. <laughs> yeah. That, I like how you, you'll even go along with that saying three of them have no personality, even though one of them is your guy. Yeah, did you see him after the Daytona 500? <laughs> it looked like me when my parents gave me my first phone. I was like, oh, cool. Whose phone is this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, no, I can't say anything bad about Chase Elliott, though. Oh, no, no, no. Can't ever say anything bad no. about Chase Elliott. Nope. That, Perfect. Can't do that. Like nope. the second coming of Jesus or yep. Muhammad. Chase Elliott who is you the are. best. Don't he listen is. to any of the haters. Chase Elliott is the best. Uh, this conversation is going to come back on me here in a couple <laughs> minutes, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, on to picks for this week, unless you still had F1 stuff to talk about. Now I don't want to make my picks, because I know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to make your pick. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Top three series all at uh, Vegas this week, as well as, apparently, as you pointed out, F1's at Bahrain this week to start the season. We're not going to make picks for that, because we all know Max Verstappen's going to win. But, for anyone wanting to see that, that will be... Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. That's Sunday, March 2nd, 10 a.m. Eastern um, for the Bahrain Grand Prix. All right, on to NASCAR. Uh, Trucks will be Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on FS1 from Vegas. The Victoria's Voice Foundation 200. Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go Kyle Busch. (laughs) 
I know he just won the race last week and he's back for round two, but historically Vegas has been a really good track for Kyle Busch in the cup series. And I think this is just going to be one of those races where he, yeah, I think this is just going to be one of those races where he wipes the floor with the truck series and it's a really mid race. You're probably right. I was going to pick him again and I didn't really want to pick him two weeks in a row. I didn't want to pull a Tyler and pick the same guy every week. In fact, I picked Christian Eckes just so Tyler couldn't pick him this week. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, you but, pulled with me and picked Christian Eckes. I don't want to hear it. I haven't picked Christian in a long time, actually. I definitely haven't picked him this year, mostly because you haven't. You've been yeah, well, him, that's but, entirely why. <laughs> uh, but no, I think he bounces back from his break issues at Atlanta and picks up uh, win number one for 2024 this week. You know it's bad when they like Napa has its own brake division and the brakes broke. <laughs> they run a paint scheme in NASCAR for Napa brakes and the brakes broke. He didn't have that on the truck this week, so he wasn't sponsored by Napa brakes this week. But it's like Napa's a parent company. I don't know. It's just kind of embarrassing to me. They're not a parent company of Napa brakes. Yeah, they would. Well, yeah, they're a parent company of the brakes, but. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Okay, fair enough. Um, on to Xfinity. Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern, FS1, the Lyuna. No mileage, nothing else. It's just the Lyuna. We just race until everybody runs out of gas. I mean, that's what we did at Atlanta. It worked last week. Let's do it again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed. I think we've been bouncing the Sheldon Creed pick around so far this year. Um, I think he'll finally be able to pull one out. As I think this is a good track for Toyotas. I think, uh, didn't John Hunter Nemechek, like, dominate the crap out of this race the past couple of times we've gone here? dominated the crap out of a lot of races. I hate Las Vegas, so it'll probably be a Toyota that wins. I'm going to pick the guy that... Uh, got his first career win here last year in the fall. I think Riley Herbst goes back-to-back at Vegas, picks up win number two in his hometown, and locks himself into the playoffs. Although I would really like to still see Sheldon Creed win. Um, Austin Hill's already got two up on him this year, so he's got to pick up the pace. Creed Uh, is number two in championship right now, though. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredibly consistent so far. Um, He ended up uh, let me go back to the results here. Um, he finished. Oh, that's 2023. I don't want 2023. Um, where did he finish at Atlanta? I believe he had fuel at the end, so he probably picked up some spots. Yeah, he ended up fourth. Yeah. Um, had the third, no, fourth most, fifth most points. Stage points suck. Literally, stage points are so stupid. Jesse Love finished 12th, but left with the most points. Now, granted, Jesse Love should have won that race, but I don't want to have to look down to 12th to figure out who the hell had the most points in this race. <laughs> anyway, um, on to Cup. Sunday. 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. I'm surprised this one's on Fox. I'm surprised they haven't gone to FS1 yet. Uh, the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Tyler, who wins race number three for the Cup Series? 
So I was trying to pick a Hendrick driver because it seems like the Hendrick car has been really fast on this track recently. Didn't want to pick Byron because, you know, Byron. Larson won it last year. So I think this is finally going to be Chase Elliott's turn to prove all the haters wrong, including me, apparently. And I think he'll pick up his first win in a really, really embarrassingly long time. It has been really, really embarrassingly long. I didn't think about that. When, when the hell was he? didn't win last, last year. I don't think he I know. Yeah, I know he didn't win last year. It was in 2022, but I don't remember how long ago in 2022 it was. Talladega Fall 2022 was his last win. I knew it was going to be a super speedway track. Uh, he, I mean, he won a lot in 2022. Uh, he won Pocono, Atlanta 2, Nashville, Dover 1. And I don't remember that any that of those was races. The first win. So, huh? I don't remember any of those races. <laughs> I don't either, because they're Chase Elliott wins. But anyway, Ooh. I am... Cr- you can't say that. <laughs> Canceled. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick... Christopher Busher to win this race. Busher? Uh, he has done well on the uh, mile and a halfs of late. Um, had a very strong end of the season last year. I think he picks that back up here, locks himself into the playoffs, and starts a uh, good run in 2024. All right, and I think that's all we got for this week. So enjoy Vegas and Bahrain this weekend. Uh, but I think that's all we got for this week. So. At that, I'm Garth, that's Tyler, and this is the Rookie Stripes Podcast on Racing News Now.